0: Welcome back to Return to Oz Minute, where the podcast that Monday through Friday analyzes one minute at a time of the 1985 film Return to Oz. Today is a very special minute for those of you who came here from listening to Star Wars Minute. But before we get into that, you should know that I'm Tierney Steele.
1: And I'm Mike Carilucci. And we're joined once again from the Indiana Jones Minute. And uh, if you're listening to Die Hard Minute... This was recorded at the same time that he was featured on Die Hard Minute, Pete Mummert. Hello.
0: I really hope someone's listening to this in the second week that you guys are hosting and it's just (laughs) totally confused and it's going to be great. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Die Hard Minute is a Movies by Minutes podcast that's kind of being tag team hosted, I guess is the best way to put it, uh, Mm -hmm. by different sets of hosts each week and then each set gets two weeks separated out. So, um, yeah, it, it just started. If you're listening to this lot, well, not just, but it's new. It's new. <laughs> um, and if you're listening to this far in the future, uh, hopefully it all turned out well and you should go listen to that. Um, but I mentioned Star Wars Minute at the top because not only was that the first really big kind of pioneer of this format, I know there was also gutter balls, but it seems like they were doing things slightly Different, you know, Mm -hmm. not not quite the same feel. And today we are going to talk about minute 94.
1: 94. 94. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, that beautiful docking bay number of a minute begins with the Gnome King finishing the sentence, don't, or question, don't you know that eggs are poison? And it ends with Dorothy stressfully changing her shoes. (laughs) Uh... One of the first things we learn is that Bellina works for Big Egg, <laughs> really, to Big Dairy. Uh, she is incredibly insulted that he says her egg is poison.
2: <laughs> is, is, uh, this a, is this a gnome genocide? Like, does this kill every gnome?
0: It seems like it, because he says eggs are poison to gnomes, and all the other gnomes have disappeared at this point, and he disappears in this minute. So is this just it?
2: Yeah, I was wondering that. Like it is is has Belina just wiped out an entire race of beings?
0: Yeah. Belina is their outbreak monkey.
1: <laughs> so in the uh in the script, it's a little less it's a little more vague, rather, than less vague. Oh. Uh, okay. It says that it just describes the king abandoned by his gnomes. Mm. So maybe they're not. Maybe the king dies because he ingested the egg, but the rest of them are kind of like the Especially. wheelers decide, yeah, mm-hmm. they, maybe they've been weakened overall hmm. and just peace out. more sense. Well, the book is
0: no help because the book is, uh, uh, eggs are a poison, but <laughs> Belina's been laying eggs the whole time the the whole thing is that uh, the gnomes run away from them because of the eggs. Oh, okay. And the way they defeat the gnome king is that he has a magic belt that Dorothy tricks him into giving her so that he doesn't have magical pa- No, she has to demand it. I forget exactly. But uh-huh. she ends up with his magic belt so that he has no magical powers. Huh. He's still the gnome king. Huh. Like, they still leave him there with everyone. Just, he can't turn people into objects and they've rescued everyone and they take off huh. for the conclusion of the story. So uh-huh. <laughs> there's no, there's, there's none of this like falling apart, ridiculousness. Um And, and there's no tote face. <laughs>
2: so <laughs> Do they show up? Do they show up in a later book? Do they come back in later books or is that, is this it? I,
0: I wonder if they, I feel like they, the Gnome King does, because he exists in different iterations throughout the books.
1: Okay. Yeah. The the Gnome King in the thirteen original books, he 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 definitely appears uh, several times. Yeah. So he doesn't have an ultimate defeat. This. Oh, good. Early in the. I mean, this Return to Oz is a hybrid of a couple books and characters are some are left, some are just left out, some are smashed together. Uh huh. But yeah. if if Disney had continued, you know in some sort of expanded oz universe they probably would have had to bring back the gnome king if they wanted to continue mining from the books right
0: well but he existed in weird like oh this is the gnome king with a g that was the gnome (laughs) king just n-o-m-e so they could have kind of mucked about with it Uh and still been within the source material
2: I like that he comes back though. And so like, that gives me hope that maybe Belloc can come back. Like, I don't know. I don't know about hope. But...
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, he, I, I just, especially the way it's like framed.
2: Yeah. It, yeah. it
0: is exactly that. <laughs> Only uh, the fire is off to the side just to be dramatic and not to uh, <laughs> shield us from anything. Cause it's just a crumbling rock face. So
2: have you guys ever been to uh, Caesar's palace in Las Vegas? Mm-mm. They have a, in the middle, they have a big shopping mall called the, I think, the Caesar's Forum Shops. And in the middle of it, there's a, it, like, it, when you walk up to it, it looks just like a, a statue, a marble, bunch of marble statues of Greek gods and goddesses. But then every hour, they turn into these animatronic statues, and they have this big show, and they look exactly like this, with, like, jets of fire shooting up on both sides of them when they yell, kind of like the Gnome King does. And I can't help but think of Caesar's Palace when I see this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which ties back into the n- numerous uh, Greek and Roman busts throughout the film. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I um, I couldn't stop thinking of well, I, I, after I'd made the Indiana Jones reference. Um, if anyone out there also remembers the greatest movie ever made, now, nah, we can talk about flaws <laughs> too. But um, my favorite movie, Joe versus the volcano. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first tom hanks meg ryan it it's um oh, why am i blanking on the guy's name oh my god this is awful um but it's it's a comedy but it's also a fairy tale and so i was allowed to see it when i was like as soon as it came out on video and i was obsessed with it mm-hmm. and i totally missed all the symbolism. And meaning behind the story as a child, so it's one of those movies that kind of grew with me. Uh-huh. And as you can tell from the title, <laughs> Volcano, and when it has that little, like, spray up on the left-hand side, and the way that there's an arch that leads mm-hmm. into the volcano that looks exactly like when he starts to crumble. Huh. And that was 1990, not much later, so huh. maybe they were watching this movie, too. Maybe yeah. Tim Burton hosted Movie Night.
2: <laughs> yeah, this was a very influential movie.
0: Shanley. Uh, John Shanley? Is that someone in movies?
2: Gary Shanley?
0: Mm-hmm. Sorry. <laughs> John Patrick Shanley. Okay. Uh, okay. Director okay. and writer. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Writer of Moonstruck, Dow, uh, Congo. Okay. <laughs> Some of these are great. Some of these, not so much. Um, But also writer and director of Joe vs. the Volcano, which... Is a lovely film, although I am totally willing to admit maybe not a perfect film. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I think that's why I really like these sorts of visuals, like uh-huh. the the scary fire spouts. I was all about as a kid, I guess.
2: Oh yeah, I just uh, I just typed in Joe versus volcano and I see like this cool arch. Yeah. Yeah, it's a,
0: it's exactly like that. I'm telling yeah. you. Yeah. John and Tim had a slumber party and watched this movie. (laughs) And that's how it all happened. Um, Before we completely get rid of this gnome king that's crumbling in front of us, can we take a minute to think about what sort of message this movie is sending (laughs) about cholesterol and eggs? (laughs) It was the 80s. I know this was a big back and forth thing, although I was a child, so I don't remember too much of it. But had the whole eggs are bad for you thing started in the eighties or was that a nineties thing?
2: I think it was nineties. I was a kid in the eighties too, so I don't remember okay. that much. But I don't like I remember eating lots and lots of eggs in the eighties. So oh. although my okay. family wasn't super progressive on the health front either.
0: <laughs> it's so. okay, if you uh if you Google Eggs, bad for you. One of the ones that comes up is, eggs are worse than cigarettes, question mark? (laughs) I'm going to go out on a limb here. I am not a doctor. This is not official medical advice. No. (laughs) No, they are not. (laughs) Oh, Hollywood vegans are trying to convince... Oh, I love it. All right. Anyway, I, I won't go down the live Googling road. But okay, so maybe this started it.
1: The uh, yeah. the Incredible Edible Egg marketing slogan was first used in 1976, so huh. we would have been about 10 years into Incredible Edible Egg before, uh, let's, let's see, uh, 1993, the egg campaign, the egg um, alliance had to start a new campaign called I Love Eggs. So All that right. that was probably, uh, that, that might have been the response to... The beginning of the eggs are bad in the nineties. Yeah. Hmm.
0: So I, but I could kind of see like late seventies, they they have this big campaign. You start to get a little bit of a backlash. Maybe mm-hmm. people are remembering <laughs>
2: they they didn't
0: watch this movie that many times, but they saw it once, so eggs are poison was in their head.
2: <laughs>
0: and then in the nineties, you get the the response.
2: Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> but I think late 70s and early 80s with eggs though that was the the era of the legs pantyhose that came in the egg. <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: what do kids play with these days <laughs> I'm sorry, <that's> popular. <laughs> oh man um so okay i just i just wanted to for my own you know mental reassurance know where this fell in that <laughs> um <laughs> So, yeah, um, the Gnome King's gone. He just disappears in front of our very eyes in this minute.
2: I, I was curious about her reaction here. I had a hard time reading her emotion. And A, I, was, I thought it was interesting because she never answered his question. Like, she never said whether or not she knew that eggs were poison. And that kind of got me wondering, did she know? Like, did she know she was potentially poisoning <laughs> the Gnome King with Bellina, And that's why she kept her a secret. Or if this was all just kind of happenstance. See,
0: she knew chickens weren't allowed, but it was never explained why. So hmm. I don't think she did know that eggs are poison. Hmm. But I, I like the idea that Belina
2: <laughs> took
0: everyone out. Um,
2: it's like a revenge movie now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Listen, Belina's life has been threatened a lot in this yeah. movie. Yeah. <laughs> This is the twist you didn't see coming. (laughs) For all the times that she has been threatened with death, Belina is actually the only murderer in the movie.
2: (laughs) Yeah, she could have just been played by Clint Eastwood here. She she finally had enough.
0: Oh, in her heart, she is (laughs) Clint Eastwood. (laughs) When she does the fantasy casting, you know, who would play you in the movie of your life? (laughs) Um, No, uh... Yeah, I had the concern because Dorothy looked so concerned and I was about to give her credit for still caring about the destruction of a sentient being, even an evil one. (laughs) But it turns out she's just after the ruby slippers.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I like that read, though, because I I really kind of feel for the Gnome King, too.
0: Yeah, I was like, oh, look, she's so, oh, she saw the shoes. (laughs) She she did not have that concern. (laughs) You
2: know, um, as soon as she sees the shoes, um, it sounds like they play kind of a little play on when you wish upon a star. And I was wondering if I was just imagining that or that was really huh. kind of a a fake little quote of that. Because it sounds a lot like it. Like, if you, you know, they change a couple of notes so they didn't they could get past copyright laws. But it I, sounds a lot like they're kind of doing a little Disney quote there. I
0: didn't hear that, but now I kind of want to... <laughs> no, too far, too far. Now I want to see if I can hear it.
2: <laughs> it was like second 41 or 42 maybe. Huh. Oh no, maybe second 30 36.
1: Oh, you I know? Just... Yeah. <laughs> I I
0: love the dead silence.
2: <laughs>
1: as we all like
0: strain our ears. No, cuz I just, you know, it definitely changes. I'd always notice the the soundtrack change or uh-huh. score change. But you're right. It almost sounds like when you uh, when you mine something.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I could have almost told you exactly what it sounded like. Uh, I thought it was this, the the. Uh, now I can't remember where it appears, but it's like the do doo do 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 uh, theme uh, that we we hear from time to time. But it hmm. does sound a little.
0: Yeah. It really
1: does. It really doesn't sound like the theme that we've heard earlier.
0: No. Well, because when we heard it earlier. The little, um, it's what the movie opened with. Yeah. um, The little Oz theme. Mm. It had, this is if you just isolated the, is that a French horn? My sister's going to kill me for not knowing. Um, I think it it was a French horn actually. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, My, my sister literally has a bachelor's in music performance for French horn. So that's why I was like, (laughs) if I'm wrong, I will never hear the end of it. It might um, be a trumpet, though.
2: It could be a trumpet with a mute. See,
0: see, we're, we've got the family right. I mean, we're not completely <laughs> musically inept. Um, yeah, it, it's almost like if you isolated just that and slowed it down the tiniest bit from what we'd heard earlier. Uh huh. But yeah, now that I now that I'm thinking of when you wish upon a star, <laughs> I, I here they're, they're related they're related they're going to uh family christmas parties together
2: <laughs> yeah i bet i mean i might just have steven spielberg on the brain but he quotes that a lot john williams he, he gets john williams to quote that in some of his movies sometimes <laughs> that was a big thing for him so maybe maybe walter murch has even more friends than we know about
0: i like the idea that steven spielberg's greatest accomplishment is dodging copyright infringement <laughs>
2: <laughs> although when you see in spielberg you don't have to like he just puts it in <laughs> guess, yeah. it's... <laughs>
0: <laughs> i'm literally just throwing money at you like the wolf of wall street Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i like that i didn't i hadn't made that connection um yeah dorothy pulls the ruby slipper so we do see a little red glow at the bottom of the rock pile again what's happening to the shoes when he's a rock like this makes no <laughs> sense
2: <laughs> yeah i was i was kind of wondering that too oh, and is he able here. to is he able to change form whenever he wants to like can he just kind of make his feet fit the the slippers
0: well he made such a big deal out of how he was turning human by turning her friends into objects which again was not part of the plot until after it had already started happening. Huh. So I kind of have a problem with that. <laughs> um, yeah, it doesn't sound like he had full control, but he clearly could. He could do some stuff because mm-hmm. he was able to like do the hand to pat her hair, which I hated. That was before he got superhuman. Mm, right. So maybe he could. I mean, I think you had finally calmed me down off this ledge by just being like, the slippers are just in the
2: rock.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like some kind of rock flow. As long as he, because the gnomes can make faces, right? So they they can make rudimentary appendages. I guess all he has to do is like stick some rock piece in and it's close enough.
2: (laughs) Yeah, is he kind of like the, the the bad guy in Terminator 2 where he can just kind of turn into liquid rock and assume whatever form he needs to?
0: I guess so. Yeah? He's still rock-like. So <laughs> that still fits with his, you know, oh, I, have, I need these people to turn human, even though I've not mentioned that at all in this movie so far. Uh, <laughs> not that I'm bitter or anything. Um, but when she runs over... Now, do jack and the scarecrow realize what she's going for because they kind of look at each other like (laughs) when she runs over i don't know because i mean there's a red glow everyone can see a red glow i'm trying to figure out i think the scarecrow gets it huh i just paused on second 43 i think the scarecrow is like i know what those are (laughs) <laughs> so maybe it's just jack that's like i've never seen these before i don't know what's going on i've only existed for th- three days or whatever
2: it's been I <laughs> well, see one of the things i like about this movie is sometimes it feels like the scarecrow is in a different movie like, <laughs> like he seems right. like he's reacting in very weird ways like i don't know if he's thinking about something else or he like maybe he just got warped into the wrong movie by accident <laughs> so I, I have a i have trouble reading his actions a lot of times
0: I originally had so many notes about his overreactions to things uh-huh. and how enjoyable they were as a child but how confusing they were as an adult. And <laughs> it actually, if someone else polled, uh that person is also a mime artist.
2: Oh, and yeah. I, could I heard see that, that. I was like, yeah.
0: that makes so much sense.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, he's constantly, I love it. He's constantly moving around. He's almost like he's liquid. Like he's constantly waving
1: yeah. around. It's great. But yeah. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. look... Like the the scarecrow from the original movie. Oh yeah, but, absolutely not. Yeah. But his mannerisms are more are more of that than they are the acting of everyone else. Jack is mm-hmm. rickety and uh, you know and unstable, but he's never mm-hmm. he's never like the you know the scarecrow we see in both iterations is kind of yeah, kind of liquidy. Like mm-hmm.
0: uh, hey, he's got his own thing going on.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I like that, that that's consistent between the
1: movies.
0: Yeah,
2: which um, was one thing that I, it was difficult for me watching this because that is true. But I I felt like there was a, it was hard for me to connect the two movies with a lot of these characters. Yeah. Like the, you know, the lion and the tin man, like they seem like very different characters than they did in the original movie. Which, I mean, after I I thought about it for a while, I actually really, really liked. But <laughs> it was definitely like, it it wasn't what I was expecting when I saw it. And it really took me a minute to be like, wow, that was, that was really interesting
0: yeah they're much more based off of and actually this dorothy is also much more based off of the book Uh characters than the movie characters Uh um some sometimes literally as in the way they look which again is because mgm (laughs) owned Mm. those likenesses whereas Uh the original illustrations were free for all um but i i get what you mean about him feeling like he's from another movie (laughs) like the the scarecrow the tin man and the lion all appear in this movie. They are not really in return to Oz. I mean they are, but it's Belina, the Gump, TikTok mm-hmm. and Jack Pumpkinhead mm-hmm. that are important to us here. Mm-hmm. So, you're right. There is kind of a kind of a little disconnect. But uh, I kind of
2: like that cuz it's kind of like you get new adventures and you don't they don't have to It's not so much fan service like a lot of movies do now where you're winking at the audience and you're like, oh, yeah, you know, here's how the Tin Man got his scratch under his left eye. You know, I like that they didn't do all that.
0: I was just about to say in minute 94 of this podcast, (laughs) again, I'm going to keep bringing it up. Is this what we wanted? Like the Star Wars prequels and sequels to be. <laughs> like, it's not that they're not there. They definitely uh-huh. are. A lot of Dorothy's motivation throughout this movie is to find out where the scarecrow is and what happened. Mm, so, yeah. it's not like they're unimportant to the plot, but they're in it very little.
1: Uh huh. Are you like, saying that in the sequel to The Wizard of Oz, the character who at the end of the first movie, had new powers and ambitions disappeared and a robotic, cylindrical, spherical character (laughs) appeared in her life with the answers to help on the journey to discover him?
2: Yep. (laughs) I stand by it. (laughs) Okay.
0: (laughs) No, well... Because, y- you know, we're, listen, if you're listening to this podcast, probably, and if you're on this podcast, I feel like I speak for all of us, we're nerds, we go <laughs> online, we know what people complain about, like, would people have been much happier if, like, Obi-Wan was in 20 minutes of the <laughs> movie, and and you literally just saw uh Baru like no lines, just like, oh over there. Okay, moving on now. Hmm. It's a terrible example, but I'm <laughs> blanking on how because that's three <laughs> movies instead of one, so it's a different beast.
2: Yeah.
1: Um All the Baruch fans are just <laughs> Yeah, they're outraged right now. They're just
2: absolutely livid. <laughs> was there was Plus, there ever talk of this becoming more than one sequel? Or to not... Disney after they saw this, were they kinda like, uh yeah, maybe not?
0: Yeah, basically. Okay. Um, There was never real talk. Now we have hypothesized that at some point in the pre-production, I'm sure
2: uh-huh.
0: that there was like, well, but there could be more. Uh huh. And and actually, even the, you know, hey, there could be more. I don't know what Fruza Balk is up to these days. Mm-hmm. Maybe she wants to make more Oz movies.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but. Nothing seriously ever came of it. Like, it's not like there was a whole, you know, MCU map out Uh that they had planned. I think it was more just uh, if this had done really well, Uh of course they would have cashed in.
2: (laughs) Well, would you, if the two of you, if you, if you had to choose, like if Disney said, okay, we're going to make a new sequel, would you prefer that it would, it spoke more to Return to Oz or more like harken back more to the original Wizard of Oz?
0: I... I'm going to go first because I feel like Mike has a lot to say about (laughs) this, probably. Um, I think this movie is much more in the spirit of the books. Uh So I think they would have an easier time going off of this movie.
2: Mm -hmm. Just
0: because if you you read The Wizard of Oz and then you watch the movie starring a singing Judy Garland, those are two totally different things.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I I think you would have, and again it gets weirder as it goes on. So I think you would have a really hard time going back to a straight up just heartwarming musical. Uh huh. Um, I think there's a lot more interesting things you can do if you embrace kind of the darker, weirder side of things.
2: Yeah, I like that um, too.
0: Yeah. So so I could see that. Now I wouldn't mind. If you are able to strike a deal with MGM, which I mean, they probably figured we've paid you enough for the Ruby slippers. Mm-hmm. Come on now, guys. <laughs> um, it would not be a terrible thing to have some nods
2: uh-huh.
0: to the original. Like when there's a picture of Uncle Henry and Aunt M in the background or something, it should be the ones for the nineteen thirty nine movie.
1: You know uh-huh. what I mean? Like uh-huh.
0: I, I could I, I like the Easter egg approach to Tying it into an original that's that far back, uh-huh. but I think, and I did, I just was joking about Frieza bulk. Obviously, it should be someone new and something totally different. So uh-huh. Uh-huh. I think that's where I fall. But uh, yeah, Mike, uh, which one do you prefer? <laughs> oh,
1: I, 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 definitely prefer Return to Oz as a, uh-huh. as a movie. Uh, and yeah, I, I think we've, we've, we've talked about this several times. It's the first movie. Which, you know, wasn't the first time Oz became a movie. But that adaptation is just so powerful. And we've seen, we've seen Return to Oz. We've seen the Tin Man miniseries. We saw the James Franco, um, Wizard of Oz movie.
0: He is speaking only for himself.
1: (laughs) I I might be. Uh, (laughs) and trying to, trying to latch onto people's memories of, you know seeing that that film as a child and uh-huh. build off but go in a weird direction uh-huh. just hasn't worked i'd i'd say either try and remake the first wizard of oz movie uh-huh. and you know be be somewhere more towards the books you can't go probably too much like the books because it would be it would just be too too strange i don't think it lends itself in in such a way mm-hmm. at least not for a if you were looking for a mass market Type of movie. Uh-huh. If right. you want to have ten Tom Bombadil's on film, then <laughs> you're 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 kind of limiting your audience. You'd, <laughs> you'd almost have to start there, or you're not getting the like. There's other stories that don't feature Dorothy, that don't really feature the mm-hmm. Tin Man or or the Scarecrow. But if you if you start your universe there, you're not you're just not getting the benefit of having it set in Oz because mm-hmm. no one's going to. Follow you? (laughs) No one's gonna follow you onto that ship. And there's no reason to set it in Oz if you're gonna take one of the other stories. You might as well just Uh have a similar fantasy land. Oh, okay, interesting. So that was the big backlash
0: against *Marvelous Land of Oz* was that Dorothy wasn't in it. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. At all.
1: (laughs) Mm. But hey, if someone wanted to start to start fresh, I think that's the opportunity. You retell Uh the story of *The Wizard of Oz*. You don't have, you know, you probably don't have singing. You don't have dancing, unless somehow you work that into the plot, maybe. Uh, and then you could start your Oz cinematic universe and tell whatever weird stories, you know, look at the books. Maybe the China doll is featured. Maybe the fall of the Emerald City is featured. Maybe none of that is featured. Maybe you just, you know, other people have written Oz books after, after Baum Because mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's public domain. Maybe you license some of those stories. I, they mm-hmm. might be great. You kind of have to start with Dorothy and the tornado uh-huh. and then do everything different from there. <laughs> girl just,
0: named Dorothy, there's a tornado, she goes to Oz.
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah. P- people would want to see the, the, the characters. They'd want to see uh-huh. a different vision of it, but you're not trying to sequel off of the original. Mm-hmm. You're just saying, hey, this is the same story. We're telling it in a different way. And then maybe you can do sequels from there and people will follow you. Uh-huh. <laughs> follow you down the yellow brick road. <laughs> but
0: first you need the gritty reboot.
2: <laughs> Keep making this super long. But I were you fans of the Wiz? Like did you feel like that was a successful I mean I I love the Wiz, but I I think maybe I'm in the minority here.
1: I think that's I the it. only Oz uh adaptation I have not seen yet. Oh, okay. Aww. I I've seen I've seen excerpts of it. Uh, uh-huh. And I was just It seemed hey Maybe you could mine that for some ideas too. I think there's. <laughs> I, I I've seen. I, I watched the Tin Man miniseries. Like I'm, I'm pretty much in. If you can make a decent Oz conversion, uh-huh. uh <laughs> At some point, I will. I will consume it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: that's fair. I was trying to think. I don't think I've ever sat down and watched the Whiz. Uh huh. But I'm. I've seen all of it. In bits and pieces, because it's one of those where when it's on TV, it's like, oh, you can't change the channel. Come on. <laughs>
2: yeah, I haven't seen it since I was a kid, but I loved it as a kid. I'm curious if I'd watch it again today, if you would be like, oh, boy, or if I still love it.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, some, things, some things hold up. I have been pleasantly surprised by how much this movie held up. Yeah? Because I watched this as a kid and loved it, and then I remember rewatching it. When I first became friends with Mike, it was like oh, I kind of remember that. And I was like, <laughs> okay, like yeah, it has, it has. She's, you know, it's definitely an '80s movie, but that's uh-huh. okay. Like it, uh-huh. I think, because it's so much of it is just the practical effects, and as long as you're willing to like go along for the ride of it, uh-huh. it's great. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, we may ask you more questions about your history with the land of oz and all its many iterations tomorrow cool because we definitely want to dig into a little bit of how we basically we didn't make you watch this movie we just were very encouraging of it um
2: <laughs> i'm glad you did i i well, i i love this movie i, I really right. like i when i watched it i was like huh but, like, the more I thought about it, like, the more it kind of sat with it. Like, I just loved how kind of odd and weird and creepy and different it was. Like, I thought, I mean, I also love Temple of Doom, which a lot of a lot of people did. But <laughs> I liked it. They took a lot of chances with this movie, which I thought was fantastic.
0: Yeah. Excellent. Well, we'll have some more chances tomorrow. We leave Dorothy changing out her hated black shoes. I don't know how Dorothy <laughs> felt about them, but... I know the actress wasn't a fan, (laughs) uh, changing out her black shoes for the ruby slippers and one of them, I forget if it, I think it's Jack says like, you know, hurry Uh to her or something. I, I don't know where this is going. So we'll have to come back (laughs) tomorrow and find out what on earth is going on here.
2: Can I just say Um, the, uh, the gnome King has really remarkably good taste. Like those those beautiful Gothic arches and buttresses that all start to collapse are really nice. Yes,
0: this is my favorite set. You're winning so many brownie points. You like this movie. You like this set. I think we'll I think we'll definitely let you come back tomorrow. All right. Cool. Um, in the meantime, don't forget to check out IndianaJonesMinute.com. And or return to osminute.com for all your podcasting needs. <laughs> there are a lot more than just the two of us, but yeah, those are the two that we represent. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, I, I guess I'll start us off again. Weog.
2: Teog. Teog. Piyog.